Welcome to Foreign Devs. I'm Yanni. I'm Victor. And we're two guys talking development and marketing. That's right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode four. Hmm. I know. We made it. We did. So, we did. All right. Let's jump right to it, Yanni. What's going on in your world? What's new? So I've got a good one for you. And uh, in episode one, we talked a little bit about Mayo. You had yes. uh, spotted a Mayo in the store. The that real said, one. I found the real, real one, actually. Mayo. Yep. I found okay. the real one. So today, and I never really have Mayo with food, but... Uh, Donna had run out, so she had picked some uh, food up for us and, um, came home. I pull out the mayo and, um, as she's putting stuff down, like, wait a second, this is a brand new tub of mayo. And I'm thinking back to last weekend and I'm remembering, wait a second, she had just bought a store brand mayo from a, you know, a gourmet grocery store. Uh-huh. She had bought a store brand mayo, and I remember her saying something about, uh, it doesn't taste the same, et cetera. And I asked, I'm looking for the open container, and I just ask out, honey, did you throw that other mayo out? Expecting just a no. She's like, yep. yeah. <laughs> so, yep, she's particular. But I so know you can we, understand that. So do we know what the real mayo is versus... What is the other option? I guess would be if a listener out there knows. So if it's not real, what what are the other options? What are my what am I missing here? What are the other options? Hopefully, there's more than one. I guess. But that's that's funny. I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing it's just to you know with all the the uh, excitement around organic and olive oil and so forth. That's the only thing I could think of is certain brands want to say we're the original, we're the real thing. You know, that's it. Yeah, must be. So I've actually had a pretty exciting day today. Um, okay. For those of you that have been listening to the podcast from episode one, you know that I was actually sending out a big print project. So today we started printing this project. Woo-hoo. So big web press. We were there. This thing runs, like just to get an idea, runs like 50,000 copies an hour, which is just wow. crazy, right? So it's running like 16 pages at a time, 50,000 copies an hour. So this thing is just flying through this stuff and it's this huge machine. And so we were there all day checking colors and stuff like that. And it was very cool. I get to do that once a year and I'm always excited to do it. It's kind of like, almost like a once in a lifetime opportunity to get to see this machine at work. So I'm sure we'll see some video. You got to put it up on coder's tape or, or uh, maybe come, come up with a way of sharing it. Yeah, at least yeah. I'll send you a picture you can share on your blog and we can all we can go all go see it over there. But this is a this thing is a it's a German machine and German engineering, of course, legendary. We were just looking at it and just in awe in the fact so this machine is about fifty foot long from beginning to end. And the paper runs through this machine from beginning to end. And if you are just off at the speed that this paper runs at, if you're just off by one degree on a roller or something like that, it would basically cause, you know, inches of difference on the other end. But this thing is just solid. I mean, from beginning to end, paper runs through. It's just incredible. Precision, you know, at a level just unimaginable. You know, that's it's just amazing. We were just so amazed with the machine today looking at it. Yeah, what comes to mind is uh, the movie Catch Me If You Can. Uh where he's he's doing the counterfeit checks, and they are showing the uh, print shop in in France. I don't yeah. know if you've ever seen the movie. I haven't actually. I should maybe. Ooh, it's a good one. It's a real good all one. Right, one of all my right, I'll have to check it out. 
But you know, in in this in this in going to that place today, I mean, obviously this place is dedicated to printing crazy amounts, right? So you don't go to this place unless you're going to print 30, 40, 50,000 copies of something, right? You don't go there to print a thousand copies. Not for that, you use uh, digital printers. But in thinking of all this, you know, and thinking in marketing and the future of marketing and how companies market and all that, I mean, I feel like everybody's moving budget, you know, out of print and into digital, right? And this is obviously something that we've talked about. But then the other day, you sent me that article that basically Forbes was saying Victoria's Secret should consider going back to printed catalogs yep. that like they had before. So maybe we can link, we'll, we'll link that in the description or something so you can read it. But it, it's incredible, you know, how a company like Victoria's Secret, I mean, I remember growing up, you know, the catalogs would show up to your house once a week, you know, once a month, whatever the, the frequency was. And then they opted out, went digital, and then discovered that, you know, their demographic didn't really support the digital it's, format. It is expecting that whatever it is monthly or or uh, whenever you know whatever the schedule is, the frequency of the of the print catalog. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And you know, and it was such a it was such an ingrained thing that their customer base was expecting. And but for them, this represents millions of dollars in investment in in print. You know, and it's it's difficult. You know, again, as with this project, I, I feel their pain as I was working on this project. And I can't just do a, a GitHub commit, you know, to fix something on this print, you know, and it's, it's, it's so permanent and everything has to be absolutely perfect and that's it. Then it's stuck and it's off to the printers. And even if you find an error, it's done. You can't fix it. And so I feel their their pain and I feel why their move was towards digital. And I have a tendency to agree with it. I think that, you know, digital is... Obviously, you know, having a, an iPad app or, or an app of some sort instead or a really good application or website, you know, obviously over print, you know, moving budget away from from print and into digital marketing. Obviously, and we talked all about, you know, digital marketing strategies the last episode when we we're talking about distinct and how to basically bring a printed catalog to life, right? How to bring that yeah. digital world into the live world. And that's what distinct was really good at with the digital displays. But you know what made me think what 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 other companies have maybe considered or left print altogether? You know, huge companies like Victoria's Secret, and maybe realized that man, our demographic just doesn't fit this for some odd reason. Yeah, you know, um, when we picked up uh, not the current Volvo but the previous one um, for our household. I asked after the purchase for a brochure just to flip through, you know, I usually like taking a brochure of the model and hanging on to it and, you know, looking back over the years and, and, uh, when the salesman said to me, Oh, you know, we don't even stock the brochures, just go on their website. I was really disappointed. And, um, as ironic as it is, you know, I was a guy pushing that movement from paper to the digital experience. Yeah, I, was I wasn't say doing that. it. That's, that's as, as ironic as it gets, right there. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't doing it to replace, <laughs> you know, the the brochures. I was doing it to amplify and uh, add to it. Um, you know, when I came out with the digital displays, so many sales guys were worried that I was trying to replace them in the process but I was really trying to amplify what they're doing and provide them, you know, a tool to use with their customers. But here's the um, thing. I'm I mean, all right, yeah, go ahead. I'll let you finish down. No, uh, this is something I had not even planned on discussing, you know, it wasn't on my, my little note of items here, but I'm going to go back here a few months. Uh, you know, I've said before we bought a new house, me and Donna. And uh, so we've been buying 
handful of things for the house, but one of them, one of the big purchases was a new refrigerator. And we ended up going with a premium manufacturer. And I, I actually, again, received the brochure after we had already made the purchase. But when I did receive the brochure, it's like a book. It was, it's one of the nicest brochures I've ever gotten. And again, this is a premium, premium, um, manufacturer of refrigerators. And I got so excited about it. I told you, Hey, go on their you know site and request the brochure. That's and right. we learned, we learned that they're actually, uh, Profiling. Demographic, yeah, profiling customers. A hundred percent profiling. Yep. So based on, I'm guessing, you know, the region, maybe Probably your, the region, uh, yeah, house value, something, something about about it triggered, and I actually received the polar opposite of what Yanni received. I received basically what you would send out for free to everybody to their home. It was like a, you know, paper thin, little see through, um, nothing, nothing like what Yanni got at all, not even close. But. You know, as as much as that could, you know, offend Victor, what us being the geeks we are, we started reverse engineering it. Okay, how are they doing this? You know, where's the logic? And then it was, can we apply this to the projects we're working on? And I think that was the interesting thing there. And it came up when we were talking about your print brochure, you know, could we apply that logic there and save money on the print quantity? Now, uh, unfortunately, I think you have quantities where you know, saving, saving in even tens of thousands of copies doesn't save that much because of the setup, but uh, right. something like a digital printed brochure, it might save uh, uh, companies out there quite a bit. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's always, I think, always something to be said about having something physical, you know, and, and going back to the, to the salesman thing, right? So today, day and age, your traditional, if you still have traditional salespeople, as in they were, you know, the, what you would think of as a traditional used car salesman, right? They approach you and they've got all these lines that they deliver to you. That, that doesn't help you sell today. I mean, it's, it's detrimental to the sale. So the, the, the role, even though the salesman hasn't changed, the role of the salesman has shifted towards a more educational say, product right? and the expert, customer, yep. Yeah. The customer expects the salesperson to know the product much better than them and they know so much more than anybody who, it, yep. yeah anybody that came into a dealership or anywhere really into a store 10 15 years ago cuz 10 15 years ago there was no internet there was no researching you know but one thing is true and i heard this a couple of years ago and it's still true today and it continues to be true and it probably be, be higher and it is that 70% of the decision is made by the time the customer hits the store so oh, yeah. by the time a salesperson says hi to a customer, the decision is 70% made and they know what they want at that point. Today, day and age, that's just what the digital world has done. So, you know, it, it, it pains me to, to be a digital marker. I would consider myself, you know, digital, you know, I do, I do the print stuff, but at the same time. Print's still strong. It's still, there's something that emotional attachment of when you hand somebody something they get to take home with them. Right. And oh, yeah. that's still difficult. That analog feel is still difficult to replicate. And I think the iPad has come probably the closest to having that, that touch, right? Because the iPhone's a little too small or a phone in general, it's just a little too small, but the iPad almost is like the right size of what you would expect it to be in real life. If you had a real catalog. 
Yeah, and here's my take on that. So I've put a lot of thought into this and come up with a real simple explanation. And um, this actually applies. So another purchase we made was a lawnmower out here, and I ended up going with a John Deere Zero Turn. and um, Which is sweet. It, it's sweet. I like it a lot. But <laughs> the, the thing was... I wanted a John Deere brochure before I bought it. I picked up brochures from other manufacturers that I looked at, and I just wanted a John Deere brochure to flip through. And the only thing they had online was a digital version of the print brochure. And I've always hated those flip book style. Uh, right, right. You know, kind of fake Imitation. PDF years. Yeah, it, it reminds you of how, how it's not a real catalog because it's all so fake. It feels so fake. Correct, correct. But what I realized in that was that with a print medium you have this trust just like you trust with an iphone that the home button always takes you home or swiping up now it takes you home you know you trust that certain things will happen over and over again so with a printed brochure you trust that all the information you need on a product is either in that brochure or in the set of pages you're looking at so think a boat brochure you're expecting that all the information on a specific model of a boat is in the two or three pages that it consumes with the website, customers, I feel, have this anxiety where they're like, wait, you know, I could, if I click that link, it might take me to another portion. Wait, let me just look through this first. And there's a deeper world for them to explore than being constrained to just few, you know, pages that they could flip through for that information. And I think especially with the older crowd and boats honestly do appeal to I think you're going to say something about 45 and older uh, demographic, but um, yeah, I think there's that expectation that, and that comfort in just having the information in an easy to consume format without having to invest a lot of brain power or energy into figuring out how to consume it. Yeah, I think you you hit up on a very important point. We always think of something like, you know, FOMO, fear of, of missing out, right? As a social media term. But I think it's it's very true. And I, and now that you mention it, it really does ring a bell, right? As a consumer, if you open the page and this is it, this is what you're looking at, everything's there, right? There's nothing, there's no links, there's no, it doesn't disappear. And all of a sudden you can't find that page again, just the same way that you log into Facebook and all of a sudden that post that you just saw five minutes ago, is gone and you literally cannot find it. It's gone for some reason, you know, just the way the algorithm works to keep you thinking that there's always a missing piece or you're always hiding something. There's something that, so the consumers has that predisposition to feel like they're missing something. So I could see how the analog printed catalogs, like here it is, here's everything and there's nothing else. Here it is, boom, in your hands and you can take it home with you. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's a powerful message. I, I really do. Um, unfortunately, print, because so many people are pulling out of it, it's only getting more and more expensive. And yep. as a company, it's difficult to maintain both, both because you'd have the staff, you know, your your typical staff that does web can't typically do print as well, right? It's it's rare that you got, you have somebody that could do both. Somebody who's a designer for, for, you know, for print doesn't typically know HTML, right? There's like a two different world thing, but you know, we're jack of all trades. We can do it all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Swiss Army knives. Yeah, but you know, it's it's difficult. It's difficult for a company to justify that that print, right? And 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 the permanent thing that is a print because if you decide, especially as a manufacturer, if you decide to change something, 
which sometimes you have to. Sometimes vendors decide to throw curveballs at you and you got to go a different route mid-year. You don't want to. But, you know, that 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 feeling of can't change it and plus the, the added cost, it's difficult. It's difficult to budget that in, you know, as years go by. But I don't know. You know how things are. Some things go away and then they come back. They make a comeback, you know. And so this is maybe like the Victoria's Secret thing. You know, they went away from print. And now they're making a comeback with it because they saw their sales uh, suffer. Obviously, in that case, I do strongly believe it has a lot to do with the fact of, you know, the product itself. You know, it's so expensive and it's there's a movement against that for women. And there's a whole thing that we could talk about on that. But, you know, they're back to print. That's that's the news on on that. Yep. yep. I think that move uh, really blew some minds uh, in the marketing and advertising industry. On both ways. Yeah. When they left and when they came back, I think both exactly. were, were exactly. equally. <laughs> so, you know, talking about investing and marketing. So, uh, you know, I don't want to go off on a rant here, but just it's amazing how many companies uh, feel like their website is just an afterthought. And I've used this a million times. I've said, Back in the day, your location and your office was what mattered. Your location was determined how many customers would identify your business and possibly stop in. You know, if you had a grocery store, of course, location mattered. Um, you know, it was convenience for the customers to stop in and come. And if you had a clean, pleasant grocery store, they were more likely to come back. Nowadays, uh, the optimization of your content for search engines and relevancy is that location. It's that highway your business is on. So if you're doing a poor job optimizing content, don't expect to get found out there. You know, don't question why your local customers or why your uh, immediate audience base isn't finding you. And then the convenience of your website and the information that's there is, is that storefront, you know, it's that first impression. And I see these edge cases you know, I look back at what we did with videos and I look back at uh, other companies that have put in the extra effort. Uh, for example, the refrigerator shopping, I did a lot of research and I kept coming up to this one company who would write articles. Their president would write articles on different refrigerators, on different appliances and really dive into, you know, what separates them, what you should consider, just a lot of useful information. And no one had to do that, but by doing that, and he's on the other side of the country, you know, by doing that, they've grown their market share. Uh, they are a leader in their, in their region. And uh, it's all those extra little things you do that really builds your business, um, builds your market. And it's, it's just too easy, I feel, for businesses to say, eh, I don't want to put in the effort. And it, uh, it's just something that grinds my gears. Yeah, I mean, you can approach you can approach modern, you know, I read what we consider the modern way of advertising as, well, we could just pay for that and be done with it. Or you can approach it as because the problem with paying for it, right? So if we're talking about paying for it, let's talk about a magazine, right? Say you buy a full page ad in a magazine. What's the lifespan of that money? Well, the life lifespan of that money is thirty days. That's how when that's when the next issue comes in, and at that point most people won't look at the older issues. 
However, so say you invested $5,000 in a full page ad. If you instead created $5,000 worth of content, well, when does that content stop giving you customers? Basically never, because even sometimes, even though you may create a new video about the same product, let's say the newer version of the product, as a consumer, I almost want to watch the old one and see how you've improved it this year. So I still want to consume the old content and the new content, right? I want to know all about it. I want to see what was wrong with it before, and I want to see what how you fixed it now, right? So that's just it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, kind of in line with that is just uh, this week, uh, and actually, I should probably pause before going into this, but uh, the famous Matt Stauffer, um, actually, Matt, Stauffer. Uh, he tweeted asking for some help with YouTube YouTube videos. Oh, I see what you did there. You see what I did. So uh, he asked, asked for some help with YouTube videos. Um, and it takes me into how I've seen so many companies throw up videos and just, you know, basically put nothing for descriptions, not utilize the magic of tags, uh, put in very poor titles and Matt had done a great job he had, but what I did is I just spent a little time on it and just found ways to polish it and, you know, shared my thoughts with him. And if he applies it, I'm betting he's going to see, you know, a good amount of, uh, a good increase in views. But again, going to other companies, I've just seen it so many times where it's, you know, just name of the product for a title and when you compare their own video, and this is coming from the manufacturer of the company that you know creates the product, you compare it to you know just some guy out there who's now making an unboxing video, but he's taken the time to describe what he's doing and to describe uh, the process and a little bit more about the product and use tags wisely. You know, he might have thousands of times more views than that manufacturer. And right. the amount of time he's invested is very little. You know, it's um, it's funny how those things work out like that. As a company, the the view of things like unboxing videos is, oh, we don't do that. You know, yeah, we we don't. You know, it doesn't doesn't feel corporate, doesn't feel professional. But the raw essence of that person excited and unboxing their new cell phone or their new video game or whatever it is they're doing is what really drives the customer to go and say, I want to feel like that. I'm going to go to the store and buy this thing, right? Because I want, I want that feeling for me. Yep. But, you know, we're at the same time, we're still if expected or as a company, you feel like you are expected to act a certain way or talk about your product in a certain way or write about your product in a certain way. And it's a very, very, very difficult to very difficult box to step out of as a corporation, right? It's a big corporation. It's difficult, you know, but even in the way that you write the text on your website, right? Do, do you write it extremely professional or do you, you know, you give it a little bit more a little twist, bit more, a little bit more character? A little bit more personal, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and some customers appreciate that. But again, there's always customers that don't. There's always customers that expect sort of the straight to the point engineering explanation with, you know, words that are not friendly, right? But you got to choose, I guess. Well, let's, let's you know, easy comparison is the videos uh, you do on your products and the videos I do on the same products. Um, so you take 
the informational approach. You present what you're making and the, showcase the quality behind it and let the customers make up their own minds if that's the product for them. I take that same product and I give my opinions on it. You know, I show what I like about it, what I don't like about it. Right. Um, you know, I try to put these boats through some real world tests and uh, just showcase kind of how customers could expect to use them and what benefits they might see out of them. Um, so it's a different approach. Um, but I think, um, you know, we have a big shared body of uh, customers, you know, looking at both and using both as tools. That's what um, I was going to say. I say, I think they could benefit from both approaches, you know, so a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Not everybody likes to be marketed the same way. And that's something that we have to understand, just like the same way that not everybody wants to pick up the phone to call your company. Some people want to message you through Facebook. Some people want to send you an email. Some people do want to call you. Some people want to walk into your store. So the best thing you could possibly do is just be as open as you possibly can to say, well, no, they have to call me. Or in the case of Yanni's example last week, they said, well, you have to come in to find out what our inventory is. But that wasn't the way that he wanted to be. He wanted to be marketed to. He wanted them to give him, tell him on the phone because he was straight to the point. He knew what he wanted. He had 70% of his decision made. He just needed to see it. And that was it. He was going to pull the trigger, right? Would you say that same is true? That's a, You nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah. So, you know, everybody wants to be marketed in their way. And the, the expectation today is that the company will somehow market to us the same way. I think, you know, we, I know we talk about Apple quite a bit in this podcast, but they've got their retail stores, right? And you and you can walk in there and you could talk to an Apple person or you could call them on the phone or you can chat with them or, you know, you can email them that they have all these different possibilities of how you can get the same exact service on your product. They have hands-on training for real, you know, early people adopters and there's, you know, advanced stuff and classes and seminars they have so much so you know i guess the advice would be don't stick to just one way of of marketing to a person no you got to reach them you know the way they expect to be reached yeah 100 yeah. percent. i think that's huge i think that's what separates you know a successful full-fledged marketing program versus just a marketing effort, right? A campaign or something yeah. like that, yep. right? I, yep. That's 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 what really complements you and your marketing team, or if, you, if you're a marketing team of one, right? What really is just having this well-rounded thing. You know, some older, I know, you know, from experience, the older generation, they want to read all about the product. They want to read absolutely every single detail with great explanations, and they'll sit there and read and read and read. The newer guys, they rather see a three-minute video and get the gist if it's for them or not, right? So, it's you got to have both. Do you do one? Yep. Do you do the other? No, you got to do both. Unfortunately, you got to, depending obviously on what what demographic you're trying to hit. But most products, you kind of have to hit both. We're we're at a weird place right now where, yes, there's a lot of younger buyers, but there's also still a ton of older buyers, and they want to be marketed to in a different way. You know, they want to pick up the phone and talk to a, a warm person. And then you've got the other spectrum, which is I just want to YouTube about it. And I just want to see the three minute version of it. Right. Same thing, but in three minutes, I expect everything super fast. Now I want everything answered right now. Yep. Yep. No. And, uh, that 
that applies to so many projects um, I'm even currently working on where it's uh, the age gaps in the audience, then it's the languages in the audience. And um, knowing your audience is really what matters in these decisions and researching uh, how they're interacting with the data you're putting out there. But um, with that said, we've we've talked marketing all episode, and I promise we'll talk development on the next one. That's uh, right. We're going to do this a little bit different. We're going to break this up into a 30-minute episode. Last uh, episode three was about an hour and 30 minutes. So we're going to cut this one a bit short. I've actually got to wake up early and uh, go boating here, even though it's uh, <laughs> there's Thursday tomorrow. Well, I'm doing a video shoot with one of your uh, competitors. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, so, I, I uh, hope that you, you talk all the truth about them. Oh, wink, well, wink, wink. Let me, let, me, let me add a few things in there. So, <laughs> so we're, we're, we're doing two boats, but we're also doing two shoots. We're uh, getting the opportunity to shoot the manufacturer's video and then my review. Um, and when doing these type of videos where I'm working with the manufacturer, because I try to avoid it, um, I just make sure there's no influence coming from the manufacturer or anyone else in the video. Uh, I want to be honest and transparent and present the products as I see them. But uh, I got a note at the end of the day today that said, uh, "Hey, you know, can, can you your, you and your team, you know, wear some fishing gear?" And I knew they were mm. expecting us to have mm -mm, their their mm -mm. brand and branded <laughs> gear. And I said, "Sure." So I've got fishing gear from all of your competitors. From, yes. <laughs> That's funny. So you got you, you got you gotta definitely follow up on this. I want to know how this story ends. <laughs> so hats, you know, I've got hats from their competitors. Uh some outdoor gear from their competitors, one of them being your company. I've got lots of gear from your company. Uh, and even t-shirts. I don't have a single t-shirt from, from this company I'm shooting with tomorrow. But in all fairness, now after working with them for a decade, they did inform me earlier today that uh, they were going to get me a t-shirt. So uh, don't, 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 don't feel intimidated, bro. Um, I've got a whole uh... drawer, drawer <laughs> filled with your company's company shirt so, I, so got, we're safe there we're safe no i know i've got a couple of people you my brother-in-law like they literally wear stuff from my company on their days off and stuff it's just like it's so comfortable mike will call me my brother-in-law call me and say hey man i'm wearing this shirt it's so good where'd you get the shirt so well you know we we like good stuff we like good swag and hats and all that stuff and so oh i'm never I'm afraid proud, to give it out i'm proud to wear them you know it's uh your company Values align with my values, so um, you know I, I don't want to say that in the sense that I'm biased when reviewing these videos, but I do appreciate everything, and I do really, you know, I've been very uh, transparent in in what I think of your products when reviewing them. But um, yeah, very grateful for everything you've sent this way, and uh, you know I do appreciate it. Yeah, man. No problem. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up on this one. Again, my name is Victor. And I'm Yanni. And this is Foreign Devs. Yes, sir. See you later. And we'll catch you next time.